Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church this morning. Let's begin by praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you gave us Jesus Christ, that he bore our sins on the cross. We thank you, Father, that he was buried, and with that we know that our sins are buried with him. And thank you that you raised him from the dead so that whoever simply believes in your Son as the Savior and resurrected will never perish, but has eternal life. Father, we also want to pray this morning for Carol, who's uh, broke her leg and is in the hospital. We just pray for her she had her recovery after surgery and that she's not in too much pain. also want to pray for our friend Raphael this morning, who was in a motorcycle accident. So we keep those people in prayer this morning. Father, we also ask that you would have the Holy Spirit Give us the understanding of what the passages are that we'll be studying this morning, that they may, through our faith, also change our hearts and allow us to make progress and growth. And we, we know, Father, that it's all based on the purpose of the person of your Son and that without him we can do nothing. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, um, this morning I just want to once again tell you that Grace Bible Church Pakistan is going to have its Christmas Care Package fundraiser again this year. Um, We will give you some more details soon. Also, Thanksgiving's coming up. Um, As as you might imagine, on Thursday of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day, we will not be having Bible study. Okay, I I don't want you guys to see me falling asleep from all that turkey so um on the other hand uh, this year christmas and new year's day are both on mondays so it's a regular schedule we'll have our services on sunday um both days all right i know it's christmas eve but it's in the morning so you'll have plenty of time to do what else you need to do to prepare hopefully um okay let's begin this morning i'd like you to turn to the gospel of john chapter 15 yes Song service. Of course. <laughs> Especially after all that, right? All that. Uh, all right. Sorry about that. Yep. Let's uh, now stand and we'll have a congregation song. <laughs> you may be seated. <laughs> that song this morning, of course, is based on Psalm. Psalms, of course, were originally written to be sung. The words remain, the music does not. Okay? So, but over the years, over the centuries, we've had great Christian musical people that have put these words into music. But again, it's the words that matter. All of nature is to praise our Lord, and, and that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <coughs> okay, now you can turn to John chapter 15, verse 26. John chapter 15, verse 26. (laughs) When their helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. 
In verses 26 and 27, again, Jesus talks about the helper, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. We hear, we see here several ministries of the Holy Spirit to the believer, to the disciples in context. First of all, he's the helper. We studied that Greek word, parakletos. We saw what it meant. It's a very rich meaning. It means he who comes along beside to aid, help somebody. The Holy Spirit comes alongside. He's taking the place of Jesus Christ for the disciples because Jesus Christ is going to leave them and then the Spirit's going to come down and, as it were, resume the work of encouragement, of teaching, and so forth. We see that he's called the Spirit of Truth. There's, there's two titles in particular that the Spirit is given in the Gospel of John. One of them is Holy, and the other is Truth. One of them is Holy, and the other is Truth. He proceeds from the Father, as Jesus Christ did also. And then the other ministry we see here is Testimony. He will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. All the way back in chapter 1, by the way, the Holy Spirit was testifying about the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, John the Baptist is baptizing in in the Jordan River, and he reflects on the fact that he now knows who Jesus is because of, the, because of testimony. In particular, that the Holy Spirit descended and remained on him. So, so from the very beginning of this gospel, we see the Spirit testifying about who Jesus is. But this morning, I want to start in actually chapter 3 of the gospel of John. Because I want you to pay attention to something in particular that Jesus says concerning the Spirit in this passage. John chapter 3, starting in verse 4. John chapter 3, verse 4. Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, is spirit, is spiritual in nature. Now, of course, this passage is definitely about the rebirth of the believer in Jesus Christ, becoming born again, regenerated, having the whole, receiving a human spirit. Clearly, that's what this passage is about, first and foremost. Now, the reason that we're called born again is because every human being is first born of the flesh, born of the flesh, the natural birth. This is natural birth in a human body. Jesus also refers to it as being born of water in this passage. That's the natural birth. And then when someone believes, every believer is also born of the Spirit. And that's spiritual birth or regeneration, being given this new life. But I want this morning we're going to look at this, this different, this absolute contrary nature between the flesh and the spirit. Being born of the flesh, after all, means being born into the race of Adam. We're all born into the race of Adam. 
Adam who fell, Adam who his transgression was was basically um, imputed to the whole human race. We're all born dead in our trespasses and sins. So in that sense, the flesh means the manifestation of sin in the members of our body. The word flesh in the Bible can mean several different things. It can mean just being human. It can mean literally flesh and blood, meaning our body. But here and in other places, it also can mean that, the manifestation of sin in the members of our body. I say our because this is true of every person. There's a manifestation of sin in every human being from the time we're born. Now, when we become believers in Christ, we're born again. We are born of the Spirit. However, we're still in these human bodies. The manifestation of sin will not leave us in our bodies until this mortal body dies. And so that's, that's that. This is this, this dichotomy, this, this difference, this opposites between the flesh and the spirit. And we see it here in terms of being born. We're going to see it this morning in terms of the conflict that is within us. The conflict that is within us. Now, it's interesting, or it's humbling, and it's something to consider, because the Bible also teaches that our flesh is getting worse. Now, remember, we have flesh in our bodies still. It's getting worse. This is going to explain, I hope, and, 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 and enlighten you this morning to understand who you are and understand what's still happening in you. And, 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 and hopefully, this will free you up. Hopefully some things about you that have been bothering you, you can kind of understand better now and not be so upset about because you still have the flesh inside your body. And that flesh is actually getting worse. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. We all have a manifestation of sin in our human bodies that doesn't leave when we become believers in Christ. That remains. It remains and it's getting worse. It's getting worse for the unbeliever, but unfortunately it's also getting worse for us. It's not us, but it's sin that is in our body that we're looking at this morning. Unbeliever, by the way, is totally dominated. It's under the bondage of sin, the unbeliever. We, thank God, have been given the antidote, as it were. We have been given a new, we are now a new creation. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And that is the way in which we have victory. And only believers can have victory over our flesh. And we don't, we don't do it, right? It's being done for us by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But look at the flesh here in Ephesians 4, verse 20 to 24. But you did not learn Christ in this way. By the way, that is an important clue to how it is that we have victory over the flesh in this life. Okay? We can't directly fight it. Okay? I've spent a lifetime, I'm sure a lot of you have, of failure in trying to fight my own flesh myself. We can't do it. We'll lose. We'll lose. Okay? I say that because it's certainly true of the unbeliever. They're losing. What I mean by losing is being under the domination of something that is only meant to destroy and kill. 
Right? And yet unbelievers are under the domination of their behaviors are, are self-destructive so often. All right? Their minds are being corrupted by the influence of this presence of sin in their bodies. And they have no alternative. We do. As a matter of fact, we have a person inside who is battling and having victory. But you might ask yourself, is it, is it automatic? Well, it is ultimately, we're going to see that ultimately, yeah, the, there's going to be a final victory of the spirit over the flesh. But in the meantime, here we are living our lives. And we're told to do something. The, the, the thing that allows the Holy Spirit to work in a, in a more complete way, um, in a particular time, in a particular place. And we see that in verse 20. You did not learn Christ in this way. You see, our job, as it were, after we're born again, is to learn Christ. The Spirit will do the rest. Okay? The truth, the Word of God. Notice how that's emphasized here. Again, verse 20. You did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him. You see, we're new creation from the moment we believe in Christ. Nevertheless, that new creation itself has to be taught. We're going to see why. It has to do with the mind. It has to do with two minds. And if indeed you have heard him and been taught in Christ, just as the truth is in Jesus, he said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. So when we learn Christ, we learn the truth. And the truth is in the word of God. Now, verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life. We had a former manner of life. It was a life of the old man. It was the life of Adam being reproduced in our own life. Okay, Adam who fell. Adam who committed the first transgression. Adam who, 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 became, who, who had a body that became corrupt, ultimately would die. And the influence of being under the, 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 the life of Adam, okay, is this. It's to be, it, there is a, a manner of life that you live and, and when we are in, in Adam. And notice now, though, notice what we can do. We can lay aside the old man. I've said many times that self is a bad translation. It has to do with a man. It has to do with humanity. We were, we were born a humanity in Adam that came with a certain life, manner of living, right? We were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We, we freely participated in the deeds of the flesh, okay? And yet notice what it says about the old man, okay? It says, that old man is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. That process continues, Okay, we still have the manifestation of sin in our bodies. It's corrupting. It's begin. It's getting more and more corrupt. Okay, it has lusts that turn on itself. There's deceit and there's lies, and that's getting worse. It's getting worse. And again, I, I want to tell you this this morning for many reasons, but one is that you'll be freed up. That you won't be so shocked at the fact that this presence is in your body, and and there's times when it's gonna you know, rear its ugly head. It's getting worse. But, of course, as bad as it gets, the Holy Spirit is more powerful than the flesh. That's the thing to understand and keep in mind. Okay? And then notice again verse 23. 
treat teaching, truth, the mind, that you be renewed in, the, in, in your spiritual mind. Be renewed in your spiritual mind. What is that saying? It's saying there's a spiritual mind. Okay? By the way, there's another mind. Okay? And if, and you, can, if you haven't guessed what that is, it's the mind of the flesh. So in other words, it's not simply that we have this, 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 this sin in our body that's tempting us to sin in our bodies, right? Although that is true, okay? So in other words, things like murder and stealing and lying and so forth, you know, that is, that is a, there's a presence tempting us to do those things. But there's also a very mind. Now, what does the mind do? Well, the mind thinks. The mind thinks, and so there is a mind in us that thinks according to the flesh. This is the, hopefully this is going to free you up this morning because you may have been battling with that mind, wondering why it is that you have certain thoughts. Where does that come from? I'm shocked by that. Why would I have a thought like that when I'm a believer in Christ? Maybe I'm not even saved. Anybody that would have that horrible thought about God or about other people Man, oh man, I don't know if that's even a person that's saved. Well, of course, that's, that's us in, in ignorance of the truth about what's inside us. Okay. So again, verse 22, in reference to your former manner of life, notice it's who you used to be. Okay. You can now lay that aside. You can do that every single day. How do you do that? Verse 23, being renewed in your spiritual mind. You can, as it were, say, you know what, I got that thought, I got that temptation now, but I can just lay that aside. And then instead, I'm going to learn more about Jesus Christ. I'm going to, I'm going to think about the things above where Christ is. I'm going to learn, for example, this. I'm going to learn more about, about the flesh that's in me, and I'm, that will humble me. That will also turn me towards the need I have for God's word and for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's, of course, putting on the new man. Putting and notice the new man is someone we have to put on. All right, we have a we are a new creation, but there's also a sense in which we put that on, meaning that we take on the things of the spirit. We take on the truth that's in the Word of God. We take it on, make it a part of us. Okay, that is the way in which we, as it were, cooperate with the Holy Spirit in His work. You see. Ultimately, we're going to see this at the end. Ultimately, the Spirit's going to win, okay, one way or the other. However, along the way, we can, either, we can either make our life a living hell as believers at times, or we can, we can cooperate with how the, how the Lord and the Spirit have set things out for us to have these victories along the way. And that's really what we want. We don't want to be burdened and disturbed and, and in anguish about what's going on by means of what the flesh is trying to do. We want to have those victories day by day. And the way we do it is to continue to be renewed in our thinking and put on the new man, which in the likeness of God has been created. Notice it's been created. We weren't born with it. It was created. We were created a new creation the moment we believed in Christ. We, have, we, have the, we are now put into a new category of humanity called the new man, baptized into Christ. And now here we see that finally, by the way, notice that the likeness of God has been created. This is an amazing thing, by the way. If, you know, at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, man was created in the image and likeness of God. Correct? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a scripture many, many people are familiar with. 
However, when man fell, then that was no longer the case. This is something that people don't understand because it says, it says clearly in the book of Genesis also that once mankind fell, those who were born afterwards, all of the, de- all of the descendants of Adam were, were, were not born in the image and likeness of God. They were born in the image and likeness of Adam. Okay. However, when somebody believes in Jesus Christ and, and is born again and is, is given a human spirit, now that person is recreated, as it were. There's a new creation, a new creation, starting thinking about the original creation and how that fell. Now, believers in Christ are a new creation. Okay, what does that mean? It's mean we are now once again human beings. The new man, right, is created in the likeness of God. God has done it again, but in a spiritual way. Notice, notice what, what, notice the nature of this new man, right, has been created in what? In righteousness and holiness and truth. The spirit is holy and the spirit is the truth, okay? We are created in righteousness because the moment we believe in Christ, we're declared righteous by God the Father. All right? We're created in, in the holiness of the truth, we being the new creation. That just means that we are set apart as holy. Right? We, we have now have access to the truth. We crave it. The new man craves the truth, craves the word of God. These are all things that are absolutely impossible for the unbeliever. Absolutely impossible. Can't happen because they haven't been created anew. They are not a new creation. They do not have the spirit indwelling their hearts. They have no capacity to hear and understand the word of God other than, of course, the gospel. And the only reason they can hear and understand the gospel is because of a a, a ministry of the Holy Spirit to do so. And again, John says, in chap- Jesus says in chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and nothing but flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit, and never the two shall meet. These are absolute o- opposites. Okay? You're born of the flesh when you're born naturally. You're born of the spirit when you believe in Jesus Christ. And those two are opposites, enemies, total enemies. The spirit in the flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So I want you to see this. What is this saying? Jesus is saying, basically, that the flesh and the spirit are totally contrary to one another. That's why there has to be a whole new birth. Right? There's nothing about the flesh that is good. There's nothing about the flesh that can understand the things of God. Therefore, we have to be born again. We have to be created as a new creation and indwelt by the Spirit. And the Spirit is the absolute opposite of the flesh. And the thing about it is that we have both operating in our lives now. We have both, both the flesh and the Spirit. All right. By the way, we don't have two natures. By the way, I know that people talk about two natures. We don't. Why? Because... because we have died on the cross. The, the old man has been crucified. Okay? We are a new creation. We are just the new nature in terms of who we really are. Unfortunately, this new creation still has the presence of sin in the human body. That human body is going to go away. And, the, and who we really are is the new 
new creation, the new man, will live forever. But in this life, we still have to deal with that conflict, okay, on a daily basis. The flesh and the spirit are totally contrary to one another. They're opposites, in other words. Not only are they opposites, they're opponents. They're in a constant state of war with one another, the spirit and the flesh. And we're going to see that constant state of war is being waged inside us. Inside us. And you might say, wow, that is, that, that seems it's like impossible. We're always going to be in this constant state of war. Yeah, but you know what? We always were. You know, Paul in chapter 7 is going to say, before the, the, the unbeliever has a, con, has a constant state of agitation too. Right? They have a conscience. And they can't do anything according to what the conscience is telling them they need to do. Right? So it's not just the believer. But it, we, have, we have a different conflict going on now. And the thing about it is we have a tremendous ally, right? Parakletos. He's stronger than the flesh. He wants nothing but good for us. Well, the flesh wants nothing but evil. But, but the spirit is more powerful than the flesh. And as a new creation. See, God has stacked the deck now, if I could put it that way, for us. And he said, you're my children. I'm going to give you all these things, all these, all these capacities, all these abilities, all these weapons. And you're going to have victory over that flesh. And Buddy's saying, you have to do it my way. You have to learn that you can never, you know, flesh can't cast out flesh. Flesh is never going to, going to say, I don't want to be flesh anymore. Right? It's never going to happen. Right? By the Spirit. And, that, and again, I want to repeat this. How is it that we participate in that? By having our minds renewed. By learning the things of Christ. Learning what's in the Word of God. All right. Now I'd like you to turn to John chapter 6, verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63. To look at the, these two opposites. The Spirit and the flesh. John six sixty three, the spirit and the flesh. I want you to notice what Jesus says about the difference between the spirit and the flesh in this passage. What is he telling us? And, and that's the thing we learn about the flesh. Okay, that's the way we have victory, by the way, is by learning. You know, we, we learn things, there's information, our mind is renewed, and now that's there for the Holy Spirit to draw and say, now, see, you've now learned this. I'm going to help you understand more about what's going on with the flesh. I'm going to empower you to have these victories over the flesh. But you are to learn the word of God and believe it. How many times have you heard that, right? But, the, but I hope this morning you see a little bit more of the necessity because of this battle that's going on inside of us. Okay. Again, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Can you see the absolute opposite thing going on there? You have life and you have something totally unprofitable, totally worthless, totally no good. Notice what it is, though, that Jesus then mentions next. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. Notice that connection again between the spirit giving life and the words that Jesus speaks are spirit and they are life. It's how we participate. You know, that's how we're told we have eternal life. But the way in which we have it day by day 
is by this. is by learning the word of God, believing what it has to say, understanding that the Holy Spirit dwells our hearts. The flesh is no good. It's in you and it's no good. There's no life in the flesh. Only lies, deception, and murder. Serious business. Okay, serious business. Why? Because it can derail us in our spiritual life. It can, it can cause us to have needless anxiety in our lives. It can cause us to make these detours in our life. And we don't learn the lesson. We, look, the, the fact of the matter is, is that whenever you take a detour with the flesh, that pathway is going to end in death. Right? Now, it could be physical death. But most of the time, we're going to see the works of the flesh this morning. And we're going to see the kinds of destruction that are wreaked in our lives when we listen to the teachings of the flesh and when we act accordingly. So while we're never going to lose our salvation, in the end, we're going to have victory. In the end, we will be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. And he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. All of those things are true. But in the meantime, we are capable of, of totally messing up, if I could put it that way in colloquial terms. We are capable of making these wrong turns. We, and, and what it is, is it's basically believing lies. Okay, believing lies. This is why it's the mind that is the, that is the thing we have to understand. That this, Our mind now is now facing both the mind of the spirit and the mind of the flesh. And the flesh is no good. There's absolutely nothing good in the flesh. There's no real life in the flesh. Please turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 17. Romans chapter 7, verse 17. God didn't put these things in his word to scare us. He didn't put these things to discourage us. He put these things to free us. Okay, this, these are facts. Okay, and, and if we don't know about them, that's when things get really out of hand. So God has revealed these things so that we can actually have rest. It's actually, believe it or not, this is good news. What we're learning today, for us, the fact that we're learning it is good. Okay, You know, the worst enemy is the one we don't think is there. Right? Again, I've been talking about... Israel and Hamas. Think about it. There was this delusion that, you know what? Hamas is under wraps. It's really not going to be coming and, 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 and harming Israel. Right? They didn't understand the enemy. They lost sight of it. They forgot about it. And then, boom. Well, it's the same thing with us. Now, again, we're not going to lose our salvation. We are going to be conformed to the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. But it can be a miserable life that we are under when we're under the domination of the Spirit. Not domination is the wrong word. When we're enticed by the Spirit, whether it's the flesh, by its temptations, by its lies. Okay, There's a difference in our lives whether we go and do that, whether we remain ignorant of the Word of God and allow the thinking of the flesh to dominate our lives, the thinking. Okay, There's a big difference in how our life goes. All right, and that's the thing I want to impress you with this morning. This is meant to free you. This is meant to give you discernment. This is meant to arm you against a foe you have, but maybe didn't, didn't understand that it, he was, it was there, 
and therefore you didn't arm yourselves against it. Arming is simple. Just hearing the word of God, believing it, understanding the truth, not only about the flesh, but also about the spiritual life, about Christ and what he's accomplished. Romans 7, verse 17, tremendously freeing passage here. You might say, well, when we read about this, you're like, this is terrible. How can you say it's freeing? Well, hang in there. Let's read it. John, Romans chapter 7, verse 17. Here's why it's freeing. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin, which dwells in me. Let me say that again. No longer am I the one doing it, but sin, which dwells in me. What's happening here? What's happening here is that the word of God, which is like a sword that can split, make distinctions. What is happening? He's saying there's you and then there's sin. That's so freeing. It's so free to understand that there's some things going on inside me that they're not me. They're the flesh that dwells in me. So to be able to make that separation, that distinction between who you are in Christ and what the flesh is trying to do is going to free you up. It's going to understand, it'll help you understand what's going on at times. Explain, why am I having these thoughts that I don't want to have? Here's why. Because sin still dwells in you. Sin is your enemy. Sin is the enemy of Christ. So, so that when, when, and even here, when we, when we give into temptation, it's not the new man that's doing that. It's sin that dwells in us, making that distinction. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. What's he saying? He's saying, I've got a conscience and in fact, I even, I even have a desire to do what's right. But I can't do it. In other words, I'm, I can't defeat the flesh in and of myself. No matter how powerful my conscience may be, it's no match for the flesh. Well, there's only one thing, and it's a person, who can give you victory over the flesh. And that person is not you. The person is the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 uh, verse 18, for I know, knowledge is the key, right? I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Do you know that? Have you, have you considered this? Have you, have you taken this to heart? Do you believe that statement this morning? As a believer in Christ, nothing good dwells in you that is your flesh. Right? For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. So if you're finding this is true in your life, please understand. All right? It's not you doing it, but the sin that dwells in you. That's why there are times when there's good that you want to do that you do not do. That you practice the evil that you don't want. Okay? Because you're not understanding that, that this is here and you have, you're not yet making that distinction. And saying, you know, this is a this is a kind of a mind of the flesh, all right. But I also have the mind of the spirit, okay. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin, which dwells in me. 
if I'm doing the very thing that I do not want, and you will, and I will, and I do at times, I am no longer the one doing it. Not the new me, right? But sin which dwells in me. That separation between what the flesh is doing and what, what you're doing as a spiritual creation. Nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh. Now notice that he qualifies. He says, nothing good dwells in me. And then he stops and thinks about it. And he says, well, that's not really true in and of itself. So he adds, in my flesh. Nothing good dwells in my flesh. But we also have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts. And that's everything good. Okay? So once again, this, you have to make this distinction between what's going on in your body because of the, the flesh, the presence of sin, and what's going on in your spirit, your spiritual life, because the spirit dwells in you also. Now, these things were true about Paul. These things are true about us as well, of course. And nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. Nothing good dwells in you either, that is your flesh. You know, I, I do spend a lot of time reading, all right, reading, reading teachings from theologians and commentators and so forth. One of the things that, I, that, that finally gelled for me is that most, most, most people, when they write spiritual stuff, they want to write just spiritual. They want to write about the things that um, are the correct way. They, but the problem is, is they come off very often as saying, and I've mastered this, you know, and that's just not true. And it takes away some of the humanity and the humility when all you're getting in reading this thing is one statement after the other about what you should be doing. And there's a, there's a, there's a suggestion that that's what the writer's doing. But make no mistake, the writer has this same issue that you have. That no matter how holy you think somebody is, this is still going on in their flesh. Nothing good dwells in them. That is their flesh. Nothing good. You take the holiest person you can think of. Okay, when you think. And you need to understand that there's nothing good that dwells in them that is their flesh. That the only thing that's good about them is what God has put in there. The only thing that's good about them is the ministries of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Word of God. So we should never get arrogant when we see we're making progress in the spiritual life, when we've learned things, and we should never get arrogant, though. Okay, that's a big trap. That's, that's the flesh wanting to come on the scene and say, you know, now, now your, your life is great. You don't have any more problems with sin, blah, blah, blah. You're better than those other people. Hmm. You're not. We all have the presence of sin, and we will until the day we die. Nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh. Nothing good dwells in you either. That is your flesh. So once again, there's the flesh and there's the spirit. They are mortal enemies. They're mortal enemies. And both of them dwell inside us. Now, not only is the flesh the enemy of the spirit, but you need to understand that the flesh is your enemy. The flesh is your enemy. The flesh is working hard, is hell-bent, and that's literally hell-bent on destroying us. You have, the, you have the presence in your body of sin, and all it wants to do is destroy you. And that's good news. 
Why? Because you experience this self-destructive part of you. You must, because it's in you. I do. I do. I, I, there's, and by the way, it usually happens when more. It really comes out when you're weak. Okay? When you're, when you're maybe not feeling well. When you're confused about something. When perhaps you've done something and you're feeling guilty about it. That's when the, when the flesh comes on the scene and tries to destroy us. Remember, there's nothing good about the flesh. He's our enemy also. The flesh is hell-bent on destroying us. And if that were the end of the story, then we would be just beside ourselves, wouldn't we? We are. You know, it's funny. We are anyway. We're kind of schizophrenic when you think about it, right? We have, this, we have the spirit. We have the flesh. They're absolute opposites. They're in us. By the way, when you see people, Christians, living an inconsistent life, this is why, all right? Because this, this conf- they haven't yet learned how it is to deal with this conflict. And it's not to try to fight those thoughts. That sounds counter- counterintuitive. But trust me, that is not the strategy. The strategy is just do what God says. What does he say? He says, Paul, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I, but right. The, the Christ who dwells within me, right? So that's saying that I have, to, I have to rely on him. The life I live now, I live one way, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. How do we deal with the flesh? There it is. The life I live, I live one way, by faith in the Son of God. That's, that's what we do. We don't try to fight it. We, have, we live by faith in the Son of God. We live by the truth. You know, the truth is that the old man has been crucified. And, and as it were, the, 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 my, who I was in Adam has also been crucified. Right? What does crucified mean? It means totally immobile, about to die. That's the truth about the, Of course, the last thing the flesh wants you to know is that. That's why he's a liar. He, it, well, he sponsored by, by, by Satan. The flesh is hell-bent on destroying us, but that's not the end of the story because we have the Spirit, and He has nothing but good things for us. Flesh, nothing but bad things. Spirit, nothing but good things. You might say, well, that seems pretty obvious. Well, yeah. Um, When you focus on what the Word of God has to say, it sure does. But you get out of there and you get Monday or Tuesday and you're feeling terrible and you're having these thoughts and people are really bothering you and you, th- and you have these thoughts about them that you know aren't Christian, then it becomes a lot more difficult to make the distinction, you see. And let me tell you, it's, there are times, and they're more and more frequent as we become, you know, as we go along in this life, where the only thing we have to cling to is truth, where everything else going on inside us is a mess. And all we can do is, is hold on to truth. Yes, I am a new creation. Yes, I am God's adopted child. Yes, I can't lose my salvation. Yes, I know that the word of God is, is living and active and powerful. I know I'm going to make mistakes. Why? Because of this. And yet, God doesn't ever give up on me. As a matter of fact, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does the flesh, what do you think the flesh wants to do all the time 
when, when we sin. Condemn us. Trust me. That's where that's coming from. Not coming from God. See, one of the real freeing things is to finally say to yourself, you know what? Anything that's not of the spirit is flesh. Anything that's not of the flesh is spirit. And you can sort all that out and say, when I'm having these ungodly thoughts, when I'm confused, when I'm about to give in to guilt, when I'm about to come under condemnation, that's not the spirit, that's the flesh. And sometimes that's all you can say. And then hang in there and trust. God's at work. I don't understand it, but I don't have to. All I have to do is keep my eye on the things above, is to continue to go to God's word and find the truth there. Because that's what's going to, like Jesus said, that's going to make you free. Right? The truth. That's sometimes, it's always all we can hang on to, but, but there's times especially where all we have to say, I am, this is totally too much for me. It's totally too much. What do I do? I just cling to the truth in the word of God. The Spirit has nothing but good things for us. The, the, the New Testament, particularly the epistles, are just full of those good things. And I want to give you them this morning. Because we've been talking about the flesh. And it's ugly and it's terrible and it's our enemy and it wants to destroy us and it lies. But the Spirit wants nothing but good things for us. And what does the Spirit provide us, offer us? Life, new life, eternal life. We have access to that. Do you know that we have access to everything who, about who Christ is 24-7? But, but if you don't know it, it's not going to do you any good. But we have, we have eternal life. We have access to the pure, unvarnished truth all the time. These are things that the unbeliever has no clue about. That's why we can have a world where, where there's your truth and my truth and the truth over here and a voice down here and, you know, confusion. No, there's one truth, and we have access to it. Guidance. You know, I'm going through something now. I don't know what to do. What, you know, the Holy Spirit guides us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you have a helper, a parakletos, one who comes alongside you to guide you and teach you? That you have fellowship all the time with the Spirit? You may not be able at some point in time to have fellowship with any believer for whatever reason, okay, Maybe that maybe your believers who are hostile to you. Trust me, that happens a lot. Again, why? Well, because they have flesh inside of them also, right? So there are times when the only fellowship that you that you can really cling to is the fellowship of the Spirit. It's there. Comfort. The Spirit will comfort you, right? The thoughts of the flesh won't. The Spirit comforts you. The Spirit is righteousness and peace. The Spirit is joy and hope. These are the answers to the flesh. The Holy Spirit comes on the scene and says, get out of this. I'm going to give the truth once again. Hope. The only real hope in this world is hope in Christ. And the person that provides that is the Holy Spirit. Hope does not disappoint. Right? Sometimes it involves affliction and perseverance first, though, doesn't it? But then there's that hope. It's always going to come out. The character, the hope. This is by means of the work of the Spirit. Of course, instruction, teaching, the gifts of the Spirit. You see, now what are we doing right now? We're keeping our eyes on the things above, not on the things below. That's what we're told to do. We're told to put our eyes on the things of Christ, the truth, 
the things of the Spirit, get into that spiritual mind, and this is how we do it. It's really simple. You just, now how did I get this list? Really simple. I just took a concordance search, by the way. That just means where a particular word is everywhere in the Bible. Yeah. And, and that's valuable, of course. And I just look with the Spirit. What's the Spirit doing? Instructing, teaching, giving us gifts, right? We have the gift, for example, that, is, that Jesus gives us of communicators of the Word of God, pastor, teachers, and evangelists. We have, we have gifts that are given to every individual, every member of the body, the Holy Spirit did that, okay? But once again, how is it that we live in those gifts? Well, by learning the word of God and believing it. And then, and really, and then deciding to put into practice or claiming it, if you want to call it that way, making it a part of our own, having it dwell deeply in our hearts. Ah, that's how we get access to these things. Remember, that's how we, have, how we can begin to have a prayer life that is more fruitful, Right? Because we do it, quote, in Jesus' name, which means according to his thinking. So important. Prayer, sanctification. So, at any point in time, in the day or night, by the way, you can go back and online, or if you're taking notes, or if you want to do your own exercise with doing, doing a concordance search on the Spirit, and you can spend time in these things. You can put your mind on the things above. You can lay aside the old man. I'm tired of the life of the old man that he's trying to impinge in my life. I'm tired of confusion. I'm tired of weakness. I'm tired of, of, of wrestling with these thoughts that I know I can't control anyway. But what I can control, I can spend time in the truth. Get out of myself. Get, as it were, get out of the battle for a time and get built up again. Yeah, Jesus is the way. Just that sometimes. I don't know where, I don't know how to get out of this. Well, you know, Jesus is the way. Now, he's the way of salvation, but he's also the way of our daily sanctification, our daily, every day. We have to be set apart from the lies, from the temptations, from the destructiveness. Every day. That's how we do it. We spend a little time in truth. We, we, we put ourselves under the guidance of the spirit rather than the guidance of the flesh. We enjoy fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Not with ourselves. One of the worst things you can do, I am so guilty of this, is to just isolate and have fellowship with myself in my own head. That is, that's a recipe for misery. Why? Because we're, we're built as new creations to have fellowship with the Spirit. Then do that. Go to it. Comfort. You can turn any day, day or night and get comforted by the Holy Spirit and, of course, by Christ. He, Christ is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. He says, if there's anything that you're worried about, just come to me in prayer. We can do that. And there's a difference between doing that and not doing that. Not going to lose your salvation, but you're going to not have a life of victory in that moment. Ultimately, you'll have the victory. Okay? Oh, we already have the victory, by the way, in an ultimate way. But in our daily lives, we're also designed to reign in life now. And he's given us the tools to do it. All right. So this is, these are the things of the Spirit. But unfortunately, along comes the flesh. You know what the flesh wants to do? Not that. He wants to lie. Yeah, all, if you, any of those thoughts from the flesh, they're lies. If, you, if, if the flesh is trying to condemn you, that's a lie. Now, how do you combat the lie? 
with the truth, right? Gee, I'm getting condemnation. I know that can't be the spirit. I'm going to go to the truth. The truth is that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you can spend the day being condemned in your own thoughts and listening to that nonsense. Not going to lose your salvation. You're going to be miserable. How do you get out of that? The truth. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. By the way, we can't justify ourselves either. That's the other, that's the other trap. Well, that, 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 that's a lot. I, I'm going to think about how good I am. No, I, that's not going to work. Just the word of God. Flesh lies to us. One of the favorite lies that the, that the, that the flesh projects is to disguise itself as our friend. I'm really your friend, you know. If you, you know that 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 spiritual stuff, that's just too that's too hard, you know. God's being unfair to you right now. Just come on over and listen to me for a while. I'm telling you, I'm really the one that can give you what you want, you know. And you'll you know, and and because we're weak, okay, we tend to do that. You might say, "Well, I would never do that." Ha! You do that all the time. You'll do that all the time. You'll listen to the flesh. It'll say, yeah, you know, I'm your friend. And because you, your flesh wants the, the yeah, I, 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 well, I like the stuff I think over there. I don't know. I'm confused. Well, he's not your friend. The flesh is not on your side. God is for you. The flesh is not on your side. And the flesh works to convince us that we don't need Christ. You know, if you ever get in that place where you're like, yeah, I don't really, I can take it and leave it. Well, it's not you. But it's having an influence on your life. You're going to make decisions based on that lie. I don't need the Spirit. I don't need the Father. That's lies of this, that the flesh is projecting. Like its father, the flesh is a liar and a murderer. One of the other deceptions that the flesh gives us is to deceive us into thinking we can be perfected by the flesh. You may say, How, why, why would they ever do that? I don't know. But that's what religion is. You know, any, any people that are involved in religion, by the way, out there? Well, there's billions. You know, any Christians that are involved in, in religion? A ton. You see, anytime we put ourselves under the law, meaning I'm, gonna, I'm going to live up to the standards on my own, then you're, you're, you're deceived into thinking that you can be perfected by the flesh. Look at, I want you to go as we, as we wrap things up today. I'm not going to get to hardly everything at all. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. You know, luckily I prepare a lot when I can. And, um, and a lot of times, I'll, it's funny, a lot of times I'm like, I'm saying stuff, well, that's not, that's not, that's not till the end of my notes today. But of course, unbeknownst to me, you're not going to get the end of the notes today. So you might as well say it now, right? Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. You foolish Galatians. These are believers. Believers can be fools. You can be a fool. I can be a fool. I am a fool at times. Now, I'm sure there's legalistic people maybe that tune in for the first time today and say, Pfft, I don't think that guy's a bastard. I, you know, I, I don't want to listen to this anymore. I'm, I'm just as good as he is. You know, I want a holy pastor. Well, 
He's not going to find it here. Oh, I'm being sanctified by the Spirit and in the new me. <laughs> but that's not my flesh. I can't. I didn't do that. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Notice, bewitching. See, the, see, in this context, it was false teachers. But again, what are false teachers? Liars. Where do those lies come from? Well, well, several places, the flesh and ultimately Satan. And we can be bewitched by those lies. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. That was the answer to your flesh. That was the answer to the bondage of the law. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is the only thing, Paul says, I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, by hearing with faith? Of course, the answer is obvious, by, by hearing with faith. But then he goes on, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, notice, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That's a fool. A fool, a foolish Christian, thinks that they can be perfected by the flesh. And by the way, you might say, oh, I would never do that. Really? How about New Year's revolutions? You ever do those? I'm going to be better this year. And I'm going to do it. No one's going to stop me. Yeah, you're going to stop you. Right? I'm going to put myself under some practices, you know. I'm going to, I'm going to meditate. And, you know, I'm, if I, I'm going to, you know, go where holy people are and that's going to help me out. I'm going to do the things that, boy, I, you know, there's certain things that I like about Catholicism that I'm going to incorporate in my life now. I'm going to go through Lent because I'll be more holy after that, you know. Well, you can't do it. By the way, those of you that have a problem with alcohol, I'll put the 12-step program in that same category. Why? Well, first of all, they threw out Christ a long time ago. And second of all, it's what you do. I'm going to do this by myself now. I'm going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, and then I'll be holy. Not going to happen. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and work miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? The answer is obvious. But... We need to go back and ask ourselves that same question in verse 3 from time to time. Am I being foolish right now? I know I, be- I began by the Spirit. My whole life comes from the Spirit. I'm created a new creature in the Spirit. But am I now being perfected by the flesh? When I look at how it is that my, I live my life now, is it really, am I really thinking that I can do this myself I say, well, the Spirit was fine. And, you know, when I was an unbeliever, he's awesome. And when I was just a new believer, uh, but now, now that I've learned a lot, you know, I know I can do it now. I can do it now. And, by the way, that's going to happen again and again and again. You think you're going to be able to do it. You're going to have some insight from the Word of God. And then you're going to step out and say, well, finally, now I can do it myself. Well, finally, now you're under the delusion of the flesh again. Finally, now you're a fool once again. Don't do it. But you will. That's, that's just the way it goes. Okay? So don't feel bad. Don't condemn yourself. Mark it down. You will be a fool in the future. You will. Okay? Hopefully not for too long. 
hopefully you remember and you, and you learn and you'll say, well, I don't, maybe I'm a little, by the way, you'll always feel a little tug in you because there's that battle and the Spirit's there too, right? And, he's, and you're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, I'm doing it again. What's the answer for me? What do I do? Do I like, do I like spiritually wash my hands? Do I do penance? No. You just go to the Word of God once again and believe what it says. All right, we're going to have to stop there. We got a lot more. You can read it. You know, we I do we do post the PDF if you want to read it. Um, we're not going to get to Romans eight five, which is amazing. So you know, may, maybe I'll actually come back and teach this a little more next week. We'll see. But I got to stop. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for giving us insight and humbling us. Hopefully. Humbling us to understand that we can't do this by ourselves. Humbling us to understand that we do have an enemy in the very cells of our body. We have the flesh. It's not going anywhere till we die. And that we need to do it your way. And your way is simple. Hearing the word of God, believing it, and not falling victim to the lies of the flesh. So help us, if nothing else, to remember that simplicity today. Father, in the final moments this morning, we also want to remember that there are unbelievers that are close to us in our lives. And the same thing there. We can't fight them. We can't try to give, us the, give, give the right kind of um, emotional appeal. All we can do is do the same thing we're talking about, which is just to give them the truth. The truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that they were born sinners like all of us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He's the solution to sin. His death, his blood. And he was buried. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead so that whoever simply believes in Jesus Christ never perishes, but has eternal life. Simplicity. That's always your way, Father. Simplicity. So that a little child can understand it. So, Father, as we leave today, help us to keep the simplicity of what we've learned today front and center when we'll once again be under, under the attack, as it were, of the the mind of the flesh. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, once again, I do want to remind everybody that if you have any questions, you can always just send me an email. And um, uh, I never know how far I'm going to get. And I know my email address is at the end. So, yeah, if you believe in, um, there it is. Yeah, if you believe in subliminal learning, then you just got the rest of the message. I don't. <laughs> but that's my email. Anytime you got a question, pastor at lbible.org. We will be having a Bible study this Thursday. Also, you can submit your prayer requests online. All right. And then finally, our giving policy is freely have you receive, freely give. All right. We're not going to put you under the law. All right. You know what, you know what the law says when it comes to giving? tithe. I'm, I got to do this. I got to do this 10% every week. I'm going to pull it off. No, that's not the way things go in the church. The way things go in the church is, you know what? When I've been blessed and, and I'm, I'm, I appreciate what God has done for me and I really, really understand the power and the value of God's word. And I want so many people that don't understand that to learn that, to at least have an opportunity, have access to it. And, and so I'm going to be like, God, I'm going to be gracious. He's not telling me I have to. Nobody should be telling me I have to, but I want to. That's our policy. 
Okay, when the Holy Spirit gives you a nudge to do that, when you have gratitude in your heart and you want to know what to do about it, then you can turn around and be like God. Okay, but there's no tithing, no pressure. You might say, well, you're putting me under pressure right now. Well, I've got I to keep getting better at this then, but that's our policy. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for putting us together with one another this morning. But most of all, for your son, Jesus Christ, his death enabled us to have victory over the flesh by means of the Spirit. And we just want to just praise you for that as we leave. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.